I don't do my, no, I wasn't sure. Um, oh, it does show up. I didn't, you know, I never know. I never, I never look over here. I should look once while and see what shows up. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't like naming sermons or titling sermons, but my title today is This Is Not Horseshoes. And, uh, you know, one thing about horseshoes is, you know, you get points for even being close. You know, it's kind of a neat game. You know, you can, you can get a ringer, and that's three, and if you, you get close, you get a point. And, you know, it's kind of, a, kind of a neat thing. But, you know, that only works in some things. You know, if you're going to go to the doctor and have brain surgery, you don't want a guy that's just going to get close. You know, you, you know, there's some things in life that close is okay. And then there's some things in life where, you know, you want to you be right on. You want to you get it right. And so with that in mind, I want to kind of look today at uh, a couple of stories in the Bible. Um, the first one's in Mark, the 12th chapter. In Mark, the 12th chapter, beginning at the 28th verse. It says, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that Jesus had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all thy heart, and with all the understanding, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. You know, here we see this man who's called a scribe, and, and he heard Jesus reasoning, talking, debating, communicating with the people around him. And he perceived that Jesus had good answers. You know, he listened and he perceived that there was something different about him. And so this man of knowledge and wisdom, he asked Jesus what the first commandment was. And Jesus answers the man and gives him the right answer. And the man says, well done. Well, good, good answer. Jesus, you know, he knew, he knew what the answers were, and the man also knew what the answers were. But then at the end of it, he says to this man, he says, but you're not far from the kingdom of God. Not far from the kingdom of God. And Jesus says, you know, you know what the answers are. You, you've got the right, you know the answers. You've studied, and you, you've got it in your head. You, you know what the answers are. But he says, but you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far. How close was he? Well, he wasn't very far. He was real close. He had all the probably, it looks like he had all the knowledge of, of making a good decision. But Jesus said, but you're not, you're not in the kingdom. You're not there yet. Because the Spirit of God had not worked in this man's heart, and the man had not allowed the Spirit of God to work in his heart. And so the man had knowledge, but he wasn't born of the Spirit. He wasn't born of the Spirit. 
He was close. He was close. He had head knowledge, but he had no relationship. You know, the Bible says that we, we need to become the children of God. And we need, to, we need to become the children of God. Probably one of the most dangerous things I see, and, and, and so I, I want to say something that scares me, and I don't mean that in a, like, oh, I'm scared, but something that bothers me is this very statement that there are people who are almost part of the kingdom. Almost part of the kingdom. There are people who probably have a lot of knowledge about who Jesus is. They have knowledge about the Word of God. They have a lot of knowledge about truth. But it stops there. It stops there. It stops with that much knowledge, but there's no relationship. They have not allowed the Spirit of God to come in and to work in their heart and to receive Him. And unless that happens, we're almost into the kingdom. Almost. Almost. There's no way of knowing and I and I don't I don't pretend to know and I don't need to know that like well I want to know I want to know who is and who isn't you know that's that's not the issue. For me the issue is that there are people who are almost 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 in the kingdom. And then that's to me that's always disconcerting. You know it's it's troubling. It's troubling thinking about almost but not quite. There's another story in the New Testament in Acts. In Acts the twenty-fifth or the twenty-sixth chapter. And it's a story of Paul, and Paul is being brought before the King Agrippa. And in Acts twenty-six, starting at verse one, it says, Then King Agrippa says to Paul, You're permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. And he says, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things of which I am being accused by the Jews. So Paul said, I'm thankful that I get to tell you. I'm thankful that I get to tell you what's going on, especially because you are expert in all the customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning among many, my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. Paul says, you know, I was a Jew. I spent my life, you know, in Jerusalem. And he says, they all know me. He says, they knew me from the first if they were willing to testify that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. He says, but I now stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. Paul says, you know, I, I lived as according to the strictest sect of the Pharisees. In other words, he really did good. Paul he did all the religious things he knew to do. And he says, To this promise our twelve tribes, earnestly serving God, might night and day hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison. Many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Remember, Paul persecuted the Christians. Now, he, was, he was against them. He said, I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. 
While this occurred, while this occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, along the road, I saw light from heaven, brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I, yet to, I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I send you now to open their eyes in order to return them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. But declared first to those in Damascus and Jerusalem throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God to this day, I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that Christ would suffer, that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but I speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I now stand, I also speak freely, knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention, since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Paul, he shares his testimony. You know, Paul, he stands before a king. And he basically goes down and he shares his testimony. This is what happened to me. This is my story. This is what I experienced. This is how God spoke to me. This is how I got saved. This is how I started to do God's will. This is how God called me. This is my. This is what happened. And he says to the king, he says, you know, I know you know something about this because you're a wise man. You've seen the things that have gone on. He says, you know what's going on. And he says, you know, I know you believe. And the king says, you know, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. Almost. You know, it's that same thought. It's that same thought of almost. Not quite. Not quite. You know, he says, you know, King, you, you've seen what's going on. You've seen my life. You've seen everything. And the king says, well, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, quite, I'm not quite there. I'm almost persuaded. I'm almost persuaded. You know, you think about this, and it, it, it's, I guess, first of all, we need to look at ourselves. You know, first of all, we need to look at ourselves, and we need to say, okay, am I persuaded? Am I persuaded, or am I almost persuaded? You know, am I, am I willing to commit? Am I willing to accept what God has done through Jesus? 
Am I willing to accept that? Or do I believe it's true? I believe that it, yeah, I believe, I believe that happened. I believe Jesus is who he said he is. And do I leave it there? Or what does it mean to me? What does it mean to me? A lot of people are probably almost persuaded. For lots of reasons. For lots of reasons. Sometimes being a Christian may look attractive because, you know, sometimes we're told that if we become a Christian, life will get better. And so maybe if I hang around Christians, life will get better. And Maybe to some extent it does. Maybe to some extent it improves. I may know the truth. I may be attracted to the truth. But the big question is, what do I do with the truth? What do I do with it? Do I just know it? Do I just, do I just say, well, I know that. I know that's true. Or do I allow it to become a part of my life in such a way that it makes a difference? You know, I believe that when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that it does make a difference. The Bible says old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. There's a, there is a change. There is some things that change. You know, we change our habits. We change our behavior. God begins to work in us. Things become different. Things become, there needs to be, there needs to be something that changes. You know, it's not just knowing about God and then I can keep living my life the way I want to. I can just keep doing what I want and then I just trust that he's going to bless it. He's going to just put his stamp of approval on everything that I do and I can just go my own way and just do whatever I want. But you know, I believe there's, there's that step that when we receive him, the Bible says we're born again. We're born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God now starts to work. The Spirit of God works in me. The Spirit of God works. He convicts me. He teaches me. He speaks to me. He begins to change things inside of me. You know, there, there needs to be something changes, not just, not just information in the head, but there needs to be a heart change so that now it's from in here. That something inside of me starts to motivate me and compel me. I start to hear something different. There's a difference. There's a relationship. You know, knowledge doesn't make relationship. Knowledge just means I know about. You know, I know, I know about, I know about all kinds of people. I know about them. I don't have any relationship with them. You know, I don't talk to them. I know all about, I can know about them. You know, that doesn't make a relationship. Just having head knowledge. And we can be in that position where we're almost persuaded. I think it's also important when we think about it to think about people around us. You know, I think sometimes the word Christian is used very broadly. Very broadly. You know, every kind of almost to the point everybody's a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. We had an interesting time this Thursday evening at our, our, youth, our youth gathering. Very interesting time. You know, the topic was all the, well, the topic was on homosexuality and gays and all that stuff. And so, you know, the, the information was shared from Scripture, the knowledge. Knowledge was shared. Truth was shared. We probably read five, six, eight Scriptures of the truth. 
But the reaction was unbelievable. The reaction was amazing. You know what it's like when you've been told something all your life and you have knowledge in one direction and all of a sudden you hear truth? I mean, there was, there was one, one young person, they started shaking. I mean, they, they could hardly stand it. I mean, they wanted to just, I think they wanted to jump up and strangle somebody, what they wanted to do. But they were, they were being convicted. And, you know, and they said, well, what about, what about this and what about that? And I guess what it showed me was that, you know, folks, what the world is headed in, the direction the world is headed in and the direction of the Christians is getting farther and further apart. And the message of the cross is going to sound stranger and stranger and stranger to our to young people. Because they're hearing a whole nother message. And and here's what was interesting. They wanted to convince me and not me, but they wanted to convince everybody that I can be a Christian and do whatever I want. That they were in charge of the truth. That it was them that decided what's truth. Because they said, it's my right to do this. And we said, you don't have, you know, you don't have rights. We're telling you what the truth is. It's not about your rights. It's about what is the truth. And it's about truth. And do you realize the conflict? You know, I, I, it, was, it was just amazing. Now, let me say this. It was exciting. Because it's exciting to see the Word of God work just because it's the Word of God. Now, let me say this. I don't think anybody changed their mind. And they're probably in that, still in that condition of being almost persuaded. But the Holy Spirit can work. The Holy Spirit can work because they heard the truth. You know, not to condemn. Not to condemn anybody. You know, I don't think Christians, we're not to use the word of God to condemn. We share truth and then the Holy Spirit brings conviction. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction. He'll speak to our hearts. He'll speak to our hearts. And he'll cause us to change because it's the truth. And that's how the Spirit of God works. It's living. You know, the Bible says the Word of God is quick and sharp and more powerful than any two-edged sword. And it is. It is. Because it's truth. Because it's truth. And so as Christians, we have to allow that Holy Spirit to work. Work in people's hearts and lives. Because there's a lot of people almost persuaded. Almost persuaded. Not quite there. Maybe they know the truth. But you know, knowing the truth alone is not enough. We have to allow that truth to become a part of us. We have to allow it to become a part of us. I wanna, we're going to share a song this morning. Um, it's from Casting Crowns. And it's called One Step Away. And I want you to just you know, think about this and meditate on this, and then I'm going to come up and close. 